Hello and welcome to Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank, the official bank of your Chicago Fire. We are live at the Heineken Pub 97 as we are each and every week. Fred Hubner, along with Paul Tenorio, Frank Klopas will be joined a little bit later on by Chicago Fire Defender Jonathan Campbell. And guys, it's uh, always more fun talking about a win than a loss. The Fire had dropped six to seven, go up to Montreal. They had lost up there three nothing, but uh, Frank come away with three points, and that's the, that's the objective. No, guys, it's fantastic, you know. And the one thing I wanted to uh, talk about is that I felt that the team going in, I think they played a very smart and disciplined game. I think, Paul, when you look at it, I think the adjustments that, that were made from the last game were evident. I think they did a very good job making it extremely difficult throughout the game for Piatti. And you can just see even in uh, 15, 20 minutes in, you know, he wasn't involved. He dropped very deep to get the ball. But throughout 90 minutes, you know, you're going to contain him. But you can still see in the end that he had that opportunity. But I felt they did a very good job. And once that red card came, they sensed that momentum, the opportunity. And you can just see, I think they increased uh, the energy level, the speed of play was faster, but they did it in the right way, in a disciplined way. They attacked the areas out wide and also centrally because with the players that Montreal had, it was very difficult for them to recover quickly. They got a big goal and they came back with a lot of confidence and, and a huge win for me. Yeah, I mean, Frank, we, we talk about this all the time, but it's very difficult to win on the road in this league. And I think the teams that are the most successful on the road are those, you don't have to give up your ideal of how you want to play and the style you want to play, but you have to be pragmatic on the road. And sometimes that means you have to be organized defensively. You have to be very smart and limit the opposing team and their strengths. And then you look for your opportunities, whether that's through transition and counterattack, whether it's through set pieces, whatever it may be, that's how you're going to get the majority of results in this league. I, and I, I think back to the game on the road in Columbus, and I was talking with Greg Berhalter on the field after the game, and, and that was his big observation about this fire team is, he understands that they want to play uh, soccer, good mm -hmm. soccer, keep the ball. But it's very difficult to do that for 90 minutes on the road and not open yourself up uh, to transition moments, to the counter, to teams that have that home field energy. And like you said, I felt like in this game, they were very, very organized defensively. Um, they tried to take Piatti out of the game. I thought Matt Polster did a very nice job. The midfield did a good job of limiting him. You're never going to remove him completely. And then, like you said, when they sensed that moment, to go after the game to get a result, they did. Uh, and, and as a result, it's three points, three huge points. Three huge points, and I felt that the guys came in. I know uh, Campbell, Jonathan Campbell came in. I thought he, was, he did a very good job, along with Polster. But I thought also Duty had a better game, because I think you know, Piatti got frustrated. And then he was alternating. Sometimes he was coming in the middle, and then you're right. I think the midfielder were very conscious with his movement and when he moved to the other side with duty the discipline was there that if Polster goes and Piatti was on that side with duty he wasn't going to go but then the, the thing for me that changed you know I mean I think you know Schweinsteiger was so smart in that game you know and then yeah. the, the, the moments where he pushed a little bit more forward and made a difference he drew that red card because there was frustration there from the Montreal team and then once the red card came for me I think that the, the energy level of the team I think they stepped it up a bit the movement of the ball was a lot quicker. They attacked the wide areas that yeah, we, we talked about, Paul. And then, you know, obviously the goal came through the middle. We'll see some of the highlights here. Yeah, for the first time in about four weeks, we're anxious to see the highlights and eager to see the highlights as the Chicago Fire went up to Montreal last week. And 
early in the contest. A chance from a deflection that nearly gets in for yeah. the Chicago Fire, but a nice save. And, you know, Fred and Paul, we always talk about it. Get that, that, that crosses in early from the wide area. The near post when it's whipped in behind the, the defensive line, it's so dangerous. Montreal, as we talked about, with the attack, the ball going at just a little wide. This was an early one. I think they got stretched a little bit. They found Mancuso, but Kapofa had it covered there. This was that red card, and you can just see the frustration. You know, Schweinsteiger's first touch is very good, and then initially when you see that play, you know, I didn't get a really clear picture. You know, I think that you can see Dolito going there because the VAR assistants, they look at it again and review it, and the second time that I saw it, it was clearly a red. And this, to me, is where the fire at their best. Get the ball wide, get the fullbacks high up the field, and bring service into the box. Like you said, the, the central midfielders for Montreal have a lot of trouble tracking and covering ground when it's those two older guys. Schwanzager with the late run in the box and a very clean finish on a good ball from Matt Polster. I still yeah. want to ask Polster. He, he goes by Lovitz and he gets his hands up. He's saying, come on, that's a foul. You can't stop me. You know? <laughs> or he's, he wants a foul there. And Here late in the game, 80th minute, and I don't know how Piatti got this one off. It goes off the post. Well, you know what? We talked about they did a great job, but you know what? You're never going to stop them you know, throughout the whole game, and he gets a ball there in the box, and once he comes inside, I think there's a threat of the ball. Don't touch him, and then, you know, he comes away, and thank God it hits the post. Our guest from last week, Arturo Alvarez, thought he had one there in the waning moments of the game. He did not. He's consistently had an impact when he's come on, though. Another save by uh, Matt Lamson right in the uh, waning moments as the fire come away with a 1-0 win. Feinsteiger with the goal in the 59th minute. The lone goal the fire needed for the victory, like we talked about. A big win right now, the fire third in the East, third in all of Major League Soccer right now, and uh, we will see how things go. They play the New York Red Bulls this week back home, and they've got some things to do at home. They want to try and get back in the win column after a couple of losses at Toyota Park, but they are at Toyota Park this coming uh, Saturday. It's a three o'clock start in the afternoon game. Get on out there early. It is a Pediatric Cancer Awareness Day, 3 o'clock against the New York Red Bulls. Go to Chicago-Fire.com for uh, tickets. The game also will be on Unimas if you can't get on out there. We come back, we'll talk with Chicago Fire defender Jonathan Campbell. It's Chicago Fire Weekly, presented by the Private Bank. One Chicago Fire player can make a difference, but the team takes it to a higher level, working together to turn potential into points. The private bank unleashes the power of teamwork to help our customers. Whether saving for your first home or a college education, our team takes it to a higher level with expert advice, ideas, and solutions for you. The private bank, we solve for X. Proud to be the official bank of the Chicago Fire. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Welcome back in Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the private bank, Fred Huebner, Paul Tenorio, Frank Lopez, and the guy in the middle probably with the best radio or TV voice here. Jonathan Campbell, Chicago Fire Defender. Jonathan, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Were you going to ask him something about the beard? Because I know he cleaned it we up. When I saw him at the airport like in Montreal to. the next day, I was telling, I saw <laughs> Jonathan, I was going to ask him today, what's going on with the beard? But he cleaned yeah, it up. It looks much better now. Much better, yes. I, I shaved my beard just because I was intimidated. I couldn't have my beard <laughs> sit next to his beard. So I cleaned it off for today. But it'll be back for the winter for the sidelines. Oh, 
Well, is, there, is there a story behind it or just you like it? Yeah, no real story behind it, but started in preseason and I just thought I'd let it rage and keep it going. <laughs> so every so often I clean it up, but sometimes. I, I mean, think it's a good it's look a for a center back. It's intimidating. You, yeah, you gotta, that's true. You got to have the little nasty look a little bit because you know what? If you take that off, Jonathan's always smart. He's the nicest kid you're saying. If I'm a Ford, I'm saying I'm not intimidated by this guy. So. Maybe I think I it's a good look. Yeah. Keep it around. Well, you had some guys to deal with against Montreal. You come away with a one nothing win, dealing with Piatti. But talk about how important that win was for the team after dropping four in a row. Yeah, I mean, one four in a row, but then also just the last game against them. Uh, so, I mean, to get our motivation back after that win, I think it was huge. And, um, you know, I saw earlier three road wins. It's tough, you know. So, just to get that, coming back at home for two games, it's an important part of the season to get that win. Yeah, I, I look at what you guys have done so far this season. There's a lot of positive there. Um, but you, you have to also think about this moment where you, you've lost six of seven and you have lost four straight. The playoff race is getting tighter. Teams are getting closer to you. You're looking over your shoulder. You're seeing the Red Bulls creeping up. You're seeing these teams creeping up. Do you look at this win as being something that maybe just lets everyone take a deep breath and now you can kind of calmly refocus on, on the rest of the season, the playoff race? Yeah, obviously you don't want to say it's like a sigh of relief or anything like that. But like I was saying, it's an important part of the season to get that win, you know, because obviously things haven't been going well to get that and to maybe get the ball rolling again and to change the momentum. It's a key part of the season to do it. Uh, Jonathan, we were talking about it before this match, because obviously the, the, the last games away when you guys were you know, playing in Columbus or, or even the last game there. I just think that the team played a little bit in a risky way, a little bit more open. You guys had a lot of the ball, but just the way you, you were very stretched on the field. And I think going into uh, this match, there were a lot of tactical adjustments made. You know, how did that play into this game? I think the discipline you guys had throughout 90 minutes was fantastic to, to come up with the three points. Can you talk a little bit about the adjustments into this match? Yeah, and, and after every game, you know, we would talk about it and try to say, you know, were we a bit naive in this game, trying to keep it spreading too open? And I think, you know, after that last game against them, we definitely thought, hey, look, we kept possession, but we didn't come away with three points. Mm -hmm. You know, we lost 3-0 mm -hmm. and we lost it early. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought, you know, both of us were missing a few players, uh, maybe sit in a little bit more. Uh, don't let Mancuso and Piatti get behind us or running at us. So sit in a little bit more and then counter them. Um, and then as the game wears along, then maybe try to keep more possession. But like you were saying earlier, once we got that red card, we kept the ball for the next eight minutes really well. And once we got that goal, we made the decision to you know come back in and uh, preserve that win. It, it seemed to me you guys, it, it was a, a team effort, a collective effort, especially with a guy like Piatti, because you made it extremely difficult for him. And I can just see the first 25 minutes in the game, he wasn't involved at all in dropping very deep. What was the game plan, especially with a guy like Piatti, to, to, to deny him the ball in dangerous areas of the field? I think uh, the main thing that it started with was when we had the ball, to make sure someone was on them because that's the time I mean once they get it they quickly get it to them and it's before you know the build up and they bring it up the field so that was I mean that was the key part is right away having uh, someone mark them and then even in that game if you notice he switched sides you right know, he was looking to try to get on the ball and try to figure something out but I think that was also a pivotal moment when uh, he switched sides we did a good job as well you know denying him on that switch.
you know, early in the season when the team was on a roll unbeaten in 11, you kind of took over what like a closer role in baseball. I mean, you came on, the team would have a lead, and all of a sudden you'd come on and you'd play five in the back. How'd you adjust to that? How'd you enjoy doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think we would have, you know, kept doing that if uh, we were winning games. But obviously when we're losing games, it, you know, doesn't make as mm -hmm. much sense. But, you know, I had to just uh, adjust to it, you know, mentally before the game, prepare, because that was my role at that time. Um, and I, I liked it, you mm -hmm. know. It's the first time where usually a forward comes on with 20 minutes left and you're the one who's tired, you know, and played 70 so far and they're fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So having actually the fresh legs, I mean, it was, it was awesome for me. I mean, being a pro athlete's not easy. You adjust to different roles. You played a lot of games as a starter last year. This year, you had that closer role. You've been waiting for this moment. Now you're stepping into the starting lineup. Mentally, how have you stayed focused this year and tried to be ready for this moment when it comes? Yeah, I mean, this has been uh, difficult for me in the fact that this is the first time that I haven't been starting for a team. And that's, you know, through college then uh, last year. So, you know, I had to adjust in that and just it's been a learning curve for me. Um, but I think uh, mentally, you know, just always being ready for games. And I was able to build Pano's trust as he put me in and kept doing well. So um, you just have to take your opportunities and uh, it's a little bit of timing. It was Piatti last week. This coming week, it'll be another guy that can score goals. Bradley Wright Phillips will be the opponent. We will talk about the New York Red Bulls coming to Toyota Park. We come back. It's Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. You know, when it comes to preparation, refueling the body and recovery, AdroCare Rehydrate is redefining rehydration. With vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and electrolytes, AdroCare Rehydrate can help keep you hydrated during workouts, delay the fatigue, and support recovery to get you back out there faster. That's why AdroCare Rehydrate is the official sports drink of Major League Soccer. Shop and learn more today at AdroCare.com. Welcome back in Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. We are joined here by Chicago Fire Defender Jonathan Campbell. And uh, I don't want you to give away any secrets because who knows if the <laughs> Red Bulls are watching. But what are some of the main problems they pose? I know up top they got a guy that can score a few goals. Yeah, you always have to watch for Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, and I think with them, you know, they like to press high. So I think it would be interesting to see, you know, how they come at us uh, away, you know, or at our home. So that'll be something we have to feel out as the game goes but um, you know they're not afraid to possess it but also when it's not on just to get it long and then push everyone up. No, the, I wanted to ask going back to the question that Paul uh, asked I mean second year in the league you know you came last year you played a lot of games you got a lot of experience and the opportunity to play in, in different roles you know yeah. you played with five in the back you played with four in the back at times we've seen you you pushed up up the field so from a tactical standpoint, you know, I think that you've seen different formations and you feel comfortable doing so. Where do you feel the second year in the league that you've grown in the position that you're playing, the things that you feel like you've improved on and where you still need to continue to improve? Yeah, I think in that first year, you know, we didn't keep the ball very much. And so I think defensively it was fine. But I think this year we've kept the ball much better. And I think that's where um, you know, my game, what I'm trying to improve is just to be able to keep that, find the right pass, and also find penetrating passes mm -hmm. to get the offense started. Because if we want to play out of the back, we have to be confident and, you know, secure with those passes. So that's where I believe. Okay. 
switching going away from soccer a little bit. I know you played at UNC. Um, not like it's like the uh, Florida type temperature weather, but you come up to Chicago and I, just following you on social media, it seems like you really embrace the city and, and, and come to love living in Chicago. Um, on that side of things, how has life been? How have you adjusted to being a pro athlete to living in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, that's because last, uh, last winter, I avoided it and just went back to North Carolina. <laughs> no, but, but this winter, I'm going to try to stick around and actually embrace it. Um, but I have loved the city. I mean, it's been great. And I just try to get out, explore it, you know, do everything in Chicago. Um, sometimes it's just a good way to get your mind off of soccer and relax a little bit. We know, obviously, you got teammates you can be friends with, but uh, we see that uh, you got another friend that you hang with all the time, your dog. Yeah, my best friend. <laughs> and I saw his name, Leo. We asked our technical <laughs> guy here. We thought maybe you named it after Leo. We weren't sure. You know, he's always around. So No, I, I got Leo before I met Leo oh here. So. Okay. That's Jonathan. The picture before, I think that was him. <laughs> okay. Put it back. I'm telling you, man. I don't know. You weren't sure without, without the beard, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of pictures with him. Definitely go through the files with it. <laughs> well, and I know you've, you've also wanted to become more active with the animal uh, charities and shelters here in Chicago as well, yeah? Yeah, I've tried to find ways just to get involved, and so I've reached out to three with Chicago Canine Rescue, Alive Rescue, and um, there was one other one that I recently reached out anti -cruelty to. Anti-Cruelty Society? Yes, Anti-Cruelty Society, and so those three I'm looking forward to just reaching out with them and, and seeing with ways that I can help, um, also using the leverage of just Chicago Fire. So I'm kind of excited to start that up in this next month or so. It'll kind of build up. Uh, Jonathan, are you a guy that also, when you, when you go home away from, from the game, other than the coaches preparing you for, for matchups or guys that you're going to face, are you a guy that uh, you go home and also do some extra research on them? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got their accounts uh, to use for, like, the scouting and everything. So I do it here if, you know, if we don't do it at practice. Um, I usually watch just clips of the exact forward that I'm going to play against, you know, because we watch the whole team. So I try to just get adjusted to it and see their style. So I do a lot of research at home. As you mentioned, I mean, this team this year is so different than the team you came into last year, um, both in the personnel that's on the field and the style that they play. Yeah. Um, and one guy who kind of has, has really personified that change is, is Bastian Schweinsteiger. And, We've seen him simplify the game for a lot of the, the guys around him. When you're on the field, um, do you feel like he, he makes things easier for you as well in, in his ability to drop in between the center backs to find the ball and maybe to, to ease a little bit of pressure when you're on the ball? Yeah, just having him on the field allows everyone to be more confident in their passes. You know you can get him the ball under pressure, and he uses his body so well, and he's able to find that one person who's open that relieves the pressure. You know, if they're coming at you, he's able to pick the long pass that then just cuts out their pressure, and next time they don't come as high. Um, so it's it's been a big change, but it's been obviously very positive. So when so when uh, Schweinsteiger and McCarty are both yelling for the ball at the same time, you know, you, a tough decision to make. I mean, they both <laughs> they both are not shy about wanting the ball. Yeah, I'd probably go with Dax because you might catch a little more heat afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and now you got him back this week, so that's, that's yep. going to be a good thing going into this because, you know, the, uh, the U.S. men's national game is over. We're going to talk about that later on, but it, he's a nice guy to have back in there. Janino was filling in, but to have him and, uh, you know, Basti, that's going to be really good coming back home. Oh, yeah, Dax wouldn't miss this Red Bulls game. <laughs> but uh, I thought G Janino played really well the last game, so 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of go with moving forward from here. When you look moving forward, I mean, you guys have helped solidify yourself again in the East. Um, playoffs look like a, a near certainty, but you have a lot still to play for. Home field advantage, potentially trying to get all the way up and catch NYCFC for that number two seed. Um, what is the mentality and the task for these final 10 weeks or so of the season? I think the biggest thing is going into playoffs confident and playing well, you know, having some momentum because if we make playoffs, that's great. But then if you're not playing well, that first game could be, you know, a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I think in these last couple of weeks, we have to find that momentum again and the playing style that we want to go forward with because that's what's going to matter. Jonathan, thanks for jumping on in. Uh, good luck this Saturday. Big home crowd, uh, afternoon game, New York Red Bulls in town. And you're right, uh, I can't wait. Dax loves playing against New York, so it should Thank be fun. You. Thanks a lot. It. Jonathan Campbell, Chicago Fire Defender, joining us here. We'll continue to talk about the Fire as they get ready for the New York Red Bulls. Game's coming up 3 o'clock this coming Saturday at Toyota Park. Get your tickets to chicago-fire.com. It's Pediatric Cancer Awareness Day. If for some bizarre reason you can make it out to the stadium, you can catch the game on Unimaj. You're watching Chicago Fire Weekly, presented by the Private Bank. One Chicago Fire player can make a difference, but the team takes it to a higher level, working together to turn potential into points. The private bank unleashes the power of teamwork to help our customers. Whether saving for your first home or a college education, our team takes it to a higher level with expert advice, ideas, and solutions for you. The private bank, we solve for X. Proud to be the official bank of the Chicago Fire. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back in Fire Field Vision, powered by Nova Cares and Chicago Fire come back home after their 1-0 win over Montreal. Awaiting for them, a 3 o'clock start, the New York Red Bulls waiting, and uh, guys, New York also a team, at this point in time, everyone's trying to get playoff ready. Uh, the Fire had that big win, they're third right now. New York's coming in, you know this is a big game for them also. Absolutely, and I think also New York is starting to play some of their best soccer. I thought over the last five or six, seven weeks, um, early on, there were some struggles. Uh, I, I felt like they were trying to figure out what system they wanted to play. The midfield was trying to figure itself out a little bit. Um, but it's okay to kind of go through those bumps in the first half of the season. Uh, the confidence of the team has definitely changed in the last few weeks. Um, but when I look at this New York team, I think the problems that I see with this team are the same things we've seen over the last couple years with the Red Bulls team. They have a system they like to play. And they don't budge from that system. And it doesn't matter whether they're on the road or at home. And we talked about this in an earlier segment, Frank. Yeah. In this league, it's very difficult to go on the road and play your system and not adjust, not change, or to have something happen in a game to go down a goal or go up a goal and not change. And when I look at this Red Bulls team, I think there are moments when they are very susceptible in transition on the counterattack because they like to push high in pressure. And if you can break out of that pressure with one pass, and Bastian Schweinsteiger and Dax McCarty are both very capable of making that pass, you can find space. And I think it's no coincidence that David Akam has found success against the Red Bulls in the past. I think it's no co coincidence when I think back just two years ago when I was watching Orlando City play them, Carlos Rivas had a field day against the Red Bulls. It's because if you've got speed and you can get into open space, you can have an impact against the Red Bulls. And I think that's what this fire team is going to have to look to do on Saturday. Yeah, no, definitely. And I'm we were talking about it. I was watching their last game against Dallas. And, you know, you go to Dallas and you get a point, you're happy with it, right? But, I mean, 
the way that they, it panned out, I mean, they were up 1-0, Dallas had a red card, and it's that risk that they keep tack, uh, taking. I think mm -hmm. Pareja did a very smart move, uh, moving Byros on top with Uruti, and he brought a lot of pace, and they got caught in twice in transition where it was 2v2 in the back. So the opportunity there against this team, you know they're going to press, you know they're going to press high, you have to be good with the ball, you got to be quick out of tight situation, especially in the middle. Anything in the middle, you got to be able to play quick and switch the point of attack, but there's definitely going to be opportunities on the break. Uh, you got to be good with the ball and you got to make sure that uh, you, you know, you, you, you're ready to deal with this high pressing energy that they bring. And Frank, we've talked about this before with this Red Bulls team, but it's not just that they press you when you're on the ball. They wait for the right moment and then they try to close you down into the space and force the ball in one direction where they can win it in attack. You have to be able to play out of that pressure in a positive way. If you play backwards into more pressure, that's what their goal is. This team has to make sure, and, and guys like Basti and Dax especially, have to make sure that when, the, when they're getting pressured, they're looking for that guy that's checking back on a higher position that breaks that press completely and allows you to get out into space. Yeah, I know. They try to force you. I agree with you, Paul. You know, anytime the ball goes out on the side, in either side, I mean, then they close you down. They overload the, 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 the side of the ball. And they try to win the ball in situations like that. If you're able to break out of that and switch the point of attack, you're going to find space. But then immediately, once they lose it, because of the high back line, they're very compact together and have the ability now to, to really press the numbers. You know, they try to do it. But the, thing, the negative thing with that, as the game goes on, and this is where we talk with Paul, your ability to change. You know, I mean, as the game wears on, if one guy misses, a, you know, doesn't do it right, and you break through that, and then there's spaces to attack in depth, which that's what happened in the last game. This is where this fire team has had success with them in the past, and I think it's going to be the same situation come uh, uh, this Saturday. Well, and the last two home games have not been good. I mean, the Chicago Fire were unbeaten at home, and then they lose to TFC and also to Montreal. They need to establish home field dominance again as the playoffs get closer. Well, I think also they have to be cleaner on the ball. Um, we saw some mistakes that were atypical of this team where – um, they just weren't making clean passes on the ball. Their touches were off. The decision-making was too slow. Against this Red Bulls team, if you do that, if you have a poor touch under pressure or you make the wrong decision and try to play a ball that doesn't have the right pace on it in the middle of the, of the park, they're going to pounce. And they've got players capable in transition of beating you 1v1, 1v2. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips, his, he's so smart with the runs he makes into space. We saw the combination play on their goal against Dallas with Sasha Kleschen a brilliant individual effort and a fantastic goal. Um, you have to be clean. And, and I think at home the last few games, especially that Minnesota game, there were moments where you're, you're saying, what's the decision here? What are you thinking? Um, and, and we didn't really have a lot of that in the first half of the season. So that's an area where they're, they're just going to have to be cleaner. And it's not, it's not a tactical uh, fix, right. you know? It's, it's, it's a mental sharpness. Yep, I agree. I and agree. the other thing, too, you look at it, and we're not so sure about the injuries. We're in the middle of the week. We're Wednesday. Still a couple days until Saturday. We saw Basti go out of the game. Uh, Duty went out of the game the other day. Now, Polster came back, and we had Brandon Vincent's ready to come back. So those are two big guys they have on, the, on each side. But uh, we're not sure about Schweinsteiger, so it's a wait and see. It's a far different, far different team when you have Vincent and Polster because a lot of the system is built around getting those fullbacks forward and into the attack. But Schweinsteiger has been such an impactful player this season. No, definitely. For me, again, you look at the last game, for me, he's a difference maker. But also, it's good to get a guy like Dax back. Juninho had a solid game. But I think the one guy that, 
you need to get healthy because I think he can have an impact in his game is David Akam with his pace, the way they play. I think he can definitely be an X factor and a guy that uh, can make a difference in a match like this. And I think when we when Schweinsteiger early in the season, he was jumping up and helping up on the offense. I think we've seen a lot of that in the last three games, including the goal that he scored against uh, Montreal. We come back, we'll take a closer look at the New York Red Bulls as they come to town for a 3 o'clock start this coming Saturday at Toyota Park. Get on out there. This is Chicago Fire Weekly, presented by the Private Bank. You know, when it comes to preparation, refueling the body, and recovery, AdvoCare Rehydrate is redefining rehydration. With vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and electrolytes, AdvoCare Rehydrate can help keep you hydrated during workouts, delay the fatigue, and support recovery to get you back out there faster. That's why AdvoCare Rehydrate is the official sports drink of Major League Soccer. Shop and learn more today at AdvoCare.com. Welcome back in Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. It is time for the Valspar Primer brought to you by Valspar, the official paint of the Chicago Fire. The New York Red Bulls come a calling this coming Saturday at 3 o'clock start at Toyota Park. And we talked a little bit about the offense. We'll talk more about it. But with Robles in the back, I mean, I know goalies can stand on their head. Goalies can make big stops. Robles has won many, many games for the New York Red Bulls over the years. I think a lot of the best teams and, and managers out there, something kind of gets overlooked, uh, something our friend Timmy likes to talk about all the time, but you, you start with a, a really good goalkeeper and you're, you're putting yourself in a pretty solid position to win some points that maybe otherwise you wouldn't win during the season. And we've seen that before with a lot of guys. that have a Bill Hamid with DC United. How many games has he kept them in? They have no business being in. And I think one thing about Robles that's been so good for the Red Bulls, consistency. You know what you're going to get out of Luis Robles every single week, right, Frank? He, he took the word out of my mouth because I was looking. You compared him with Hamid, and then Hamid, I think he doesn't have that consistency where Robles does as more of an experienced guy, and, and I agree with Paul 100%. I mean, the goalkeeper can win you points in many games in the league, but when you look at this team, for me, I mean, you got to look from top, to, you know, you look in the back, yes, but then you go, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips, 14 goals in the final third. Here's a guy that constantly, if he gets service, He's done it year after year after year. And then the other guy for me, you really got to keep an eye on is Sasha Kleshton. He's got so much quality in the final third. He's the one guy, wherever they are, once they get closer to the goal, he's the one guy they're going to look to to find for him to make that final pass. He's got a lot of quality, scored a great goal, the last one. And then, you know, obviously we talk about the high pressing. I mean, the energy that they bring, you know, set pieces. They're always a team that's very good in set pieces. You see the... The trick plays that they come up with are a team that they constantly, they're up there as far as the goals that they score. And this is the goal against Dallas that Clushton scored. So, uh, you know, it, it's a team that has a lot of quality. You know what they're going to bring. You know, you know, every game it's the same way. But I think for me, in the back, Paul, I think it's, it's a little bit an area of concern for me. You know, I think that's, you know, opportunities where I think that the fire can take advantage of uh, against a team like this. Yeah, I mean, like we talked about, I think this is a Red Bulls team that's been figuring itself out a little bit more. I thought the struggles early in the year were directly related to the guy you mentioned as someone they want to get on the ball in the final third, that's Sasha Kleschen. When they were adjusting without Dax McCarty early in the season, Sasha did such a good job of sitting in the pockets high up the field, and and Dax's job was basically to get the ball and find him there. Um, And when I spoke to Sasha last year, he said, I don't think people realize how much Dax helps me just stay high and be able to turn and run at guys and early in the season he was dropping deep to find the ball because no one was finding him and he was getting disconnected from the game 
uh, as the season's worn on, I think he's been able to have that impact higher up the field. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, the one thing we know about this Red Bulls team, speaking of consistency, Bradley Wright Phillips is going to score goals. Sasha Kleshin is going to be dangerous. And they're going to try to throw wingers at you that just run all day. Um, they haven't gotten the production, as much production as they would like out of that position. Um, but, again, defensively, I think they, they still lack some. Like you said, center back is a position they've been searching for for a long time. And then those moments in transition are, are still the, the areas where you can beat this team. If you pick out the right pass in transition, you can beat this Red Bulls team. And, and um, the question is going to be when you're playing at home, how much do you simply play a transition game versus trying to keep the ball as much as possible and, and put yourself in positions where you're opening up to transition going the other way? Well, well that's the thing from a tactical standpoint because a lot of times at home you're playing and you feel like now you have to push the issue. Mm -hmm. You got to be on the front foot and come out and get the crowd into it. So it's going to be interesting to see how both teams approach this game. You know, because if you got to come on the field, there's definitely got to be that worry from the Red Bull side that, you know what, if we turn the ball over, the same thing that happened in Dallas is going to happen here. You know, but it, that's the tactical matchup. It's going to be interesting to me. But for me, the key, those are two key guys, Bradley Wright Phillips, Sasha Kleston. I think you, you got to make sure that you manage this game. You, it's hard to take them out of the game, but you constantly got to be aware over 90 minutes because it just takes one play or one minute or one touch of the ball, either of these guys really to, uh, to have an impact and hurt you in a match. Yeah, it's never easy when Bradley Wright Phillips is on the pitch. Three o'clock start this weekend. It is a three o'clock start at Toyota Park. The Fire coming back home, trying to snap their two-game home losing streak. Pediatric Cancer Awareness Day. Three o'clock start against the Red Bulls. Get your tickets to chicagodashfire.com slash tickets, or you can catch the game on Unimas beginning at three o'clock. We come back, we'll take a look at the rest of Major League Soccer as we're getting close to that playoff run, the push to get into the postseason. You're watching Chicago Fire Weekly, presented by the Private Bank. One Chicago Fire player can make a difference, but the team takes it to a higher level, working together to turn potential into points. The private bank unleashes the power of teamwork to help our customers. Whether saving for your first home or a college education, our team takes it to a higher level with expert advice, ideas, and solutions for you. The private bank, we solve for X. Proud to be the official bank of the Chicago Fire, member FDIC equal housing lender. Welcome back in Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. We are live at the Heineken Pub 97 as we are each and every week. The Fire getting ready to take on the New York Red Bulls this coming Saturday, a 3 o'clock start as we take a look at the rest of Major League Soccer. And guys, uh, Toronto FC, they really uh, they were right there with the Fire and then they just went on a run. They have a nine-point lead now in the East. NYCFC is second. The Fire with 44 points, third in the East, still the third best in Major League Soccer, but uh, TFC's, they, they spread it out a little bit. They've showed some of their dominance, haven't they? No, they have. I mean, I mean, they're playing at home. There's a big game this week. I mean, they're playing San Jose, and if you look at it, I mean, from San Jose's standpoint, you know, you have to go on the road. If you're going to try to make a run now to get in the playoffs and try to, you know, to try to find a way to get some points, you mm -hmm. know, but it's not easy. You know, wow. you're going there, and I know, Paul, you wrote about Atlanta with all the home games coming up. They have a difficult match also playing Dallas, a team that hasn't won maybe in seven games. And, I mean, you look, you know, they're in sixth place right now in the West with 26 games at 37. Atlanta needs to win this match, you know. I think both teams going into it, and they need points. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I, I always kind of chuckle when people talk to me about promotion relegation be, as if there's no competition, there's nothing to play for in MLS. Um, there are a lot of teams that are fighting for playoff spots right now and a lot of teams that have must-win games coming up. And we mentioned two of them right there that play each other. Dallas is in a very, very tight contest in, in the West and Atlanta is trying to keep pace in the East. They have all these games in hand and they need to win them. And, and speaking to Tata Martino today, I mean, he says, look, this is a challenge that no team has really had in recent memory. There's nothing to look at and say, this is how we have the secret formula. We have eight games in 25 days. All eight games are on turf. Uh, we're not going to be able to train. We're just going to have to worry only about recovery. Um, and so we need to just get our form back and, and use energy and, and talk to each other because we have to have our ideas through talking because we're not going to be able to train. So it's a very difficult challenge that Atlanta has upcoming. And I think Fred, you mentioned Toronto FC. I've got a story coming out on Toronto on Friday. I sat down with Michael Bradley and, and Greg Vanny when they were here in Chicago. And, um, you know, Greg Vanny brought up the Golden State Warriors. And he said, listen, they felt like maybe they had expended all their energy trying to beat that Chicago Bulls record and ended mm -hmm. up not winning a championship. Um, and people were saying, do you look back on that and say we regret it? And, and maybe they did. Maybe they did regret a little bit focusing too much on that. Because that being said, we're going for everything this year. We want the Supporters' Shield. We sure. want to win MLS Cup. And we want to set the record for most points in an MLS season. So they are not going to let off the gas. They're going to play their starters in every single game. I'm very interested to see what happens if they lock down the Supporters' Shield in October, mid-October. Do they shut down some of the starters to make sure they're healthy going into the playoffs? Or because of the way that there's a break, are they going to have a natural chance to shut the guys down anyways? But, I mean, this is, this is some really interesting games coming up. The game here in Chicago is a huge one in the East. I mean, Chicago wins that. They're, they're back into second place, yeah. fighting for second place. If Red Bulls win it, all of a sudden, it's 44, 43, 42 in third, fourth, and fifth place. So it, it, it's it, a huge, huge game when it talk about the seeding in the East. I think there's some exciting games because you're right. You talk about this game this, this week, and not also that it's a huge game from a standpoint of that, but also... I think, you, you know, these are teams that you might face in the playoffs. So the opportunity now, I think the fire team have always played well against the Red Bulls. As, yeah, road at home, I think they've done extremely well. But you want to have the confidence knowing, you know what, that we can beat you, we can win this game at home. That's a massive game. NYFC against Portland, you know, with the game in hand. That's a big game. But also now on the road, Montreal going against New England on turf. I mean, this becomes almost, I mean, New England, Hot streak a little bit right now. They scored a lot of goals. A Montreal team coming in, deflated. They lost a big game at home. One that even if they got one point would have been something for them. I know they're going to get some guys back, but it's never easy now to go. And it becomes almost a game where they got to get points playing against a red-hot team. Well, red-hot team against a team that's coming off a very good performance on turf. Well, listen, if you, once this show is over, if you have MLS Live, turn it on. Sporting Kansas City's in a very big game. They've got a few games in hand in the West. They're trying to finish first in the West, first or second, get a seed locked up. By the way, their game on the weekend, Greg Berhalter knows he cannot afford to lose games at home. Right. They are in a very tight race with Montreal and Atlanta, and they have very few games left. That's a that good game point. at home against Sporting <laughs> Kansas City for Greg Berhalter might be the biggest game of the season because if they don't get three points in that game, it changes the expectations for the final games in the season for Columbus. I agree with you. We looked at them at their schedule and, you know, with the games that they played more than the rest of the teams, we said that every home game becomes almost a must win for them right now. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's some exciting games coming up. I mean, if you're a soccer fan, 
I mean, you're looking at this weekend and you're saying, you know, I can't wait for it to come. I mean, if you're, a, if you're Major League Soccer, you can't be happier. I mean, there is six points that separates first place from seventh place in the West, and there's 11 points that separate second place from seventh place in the East. Um, some really tight races, and I would even say, I mean, six points separating fourth place from seventh place, and that six points, by the way, includes a Columbus team that has two, three, and four games in hand on the other teams in the East. So um, these, these playoff races are going to go down to the wire this season, and uh, like Frank said, a lot of good games to watch this weekend, but going forward in this league, there's going to be a lot at stake. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. we talk about uh, early in the season, we were surprised about a couple things. One team fired their coach, then there were t-shirts for their coach. Uh, RSL, 35 points. They're only two points out of a playoff spot. Listen, I, they, they, they're a team that also has some games that they, they have played more games than other teams. But you have to be encouraged if you're in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. um, a very, very young team and a coach that's been able to get something out of them. He's a motivator, and I think that works well with a young group. And when you look at their financial situation, they've got some cap room to work with next year, some DP slots, some TAM slots. They can get better quickly. Well, that's the thing. For me, I don't think – I think they've made a lot of progress with Petke coming in. I right. think he's changed something there. He's given opportunity to the younger players. I think it's a team for the future, but I think for me it's that they still have to add some, some quality pieces if they want to be a team next year that's going to be above that red line. That's just my opinion. I don't think they're making a good push, a positive push right now, but I think they're going to fall short this year. We come back, we will talk about the U.S. men's national team. Uh, not a really good week for them. They did come away with a point last night. We will talk about that. We come back. It's Frank Lopez, Paul Tenorio, me, I'm Fred Huebner. Don't forget the fire this weekend. 3 o'clock start at Toyota Park against the New York Red Bulls. You're watching Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. You know, when it comes to preparation, refueling the body and recovery, AdvoCare Rehydrate is redefining rehydration. With vitamins, minerals, amino acids, and electrolytes, AdvoCare Rehydrate can help keep you hydrated during workouts, delay the fatigue, and support recovery to get you back out there faster. That's why AdvoCare Rehydrate is the official sports drink of Major League Soccer. Shop and learn more today at AdvoCare.com. Welcome back in Chicago Fire Weekly presented by the Private Bank. Time to take a look at the U.S. Men's National Team. And I tweeted out on Friday night, if you see Paul Tenorio, tell him to wipe that smile off his face because he was excited when Costa Rica beat are the we, U.S. Are we going to talk I about Costa Rica? I heard that. I heard that. I heard that. I heard it. You know, last, last night I was watching, you know, the Costa Rican game. You know, one was a couple. Yeah, Mexico. And then late, I think Venegas had an opportunity where he hit the post. <laughs> I know he was ready to celebrate. Sure. He had the flag up on the window and everything. He was going to be driving with the listen, flag around the I don't, I don't root for anyone because, look, I need – when I was a kid, I knew I needed money from my mom and I needed money from my dad. So I cheer for Costa Rica when my dad was in the room, and when he walked out to get a beer, I cheer for USA, and they both give me allowance. Listen, you know? the only thing I want to know, it's like the Costa Rican guys that play in the MLS, when they play here, they, you, don't, you don't even see these guys. And yeah. then they go to the national team, and they're like world beaters here. What's going on? They don't want to show all their strength here, huh, Paul? Well, you're listen, with listen, three goals in two games. Orenia has been fantastic for Costa Rica, and they needed him to be uh, with Joel Campbell out with the long-term injury. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, not sure, about they beat the U.S. 2-0. And, and listen, I think – if you want to take a takeaway out of that game about Costa Rica, and, and there is something valid here for, for fans of MLS, Major League Soccer has helped the Costa Rican national team improve. 
The players have come over here, and it has improved. I mean, it's a good league there. You, you know, you went down there. You had to play Saprissa and Alahuela. Yes. Good programs there. They do a good job developing talent. But, but I think MLS has helped to take some of that talent to the next level. And then you look at the guys who are overseas playing well in Europe as well, Kaylor Navas being the biggest. And, and MLS is having a, an impact in CONCACAF, and it's not always a positive impact for the U.S. That's what I was going to say. Not only Costa Rica, all of CONCACAF. You know, playing in a league here, playing in a better league, better environment, better coaching, better better players and stuff, I think it's has helped, I think, the all the the countries now. And then you can just see it's evident. I mean, I think it becomes a little more d difficult, even though I think that uh, when you look at CONCACAF, I mean, when you, you know, the teams are there and where the U.S. should be, I think that for me, as hard as it is, the U.S. should be a team that's always going to qualify. Well, it's weird because it seems like no matter where the U.S. schedules a game, there's a lot of fans from the other team. They were at, uh, at uh, New York Red Bulls Arena the other day, 2 nothing. Costa Rica comes away a win, and half the people writing about the game were saying that there were so many Costa Rican well, fans. Maybe you ago, pick you a wrong it. venue that. Go somewhere. I mean, don't go. I mean, you got to go where the U.S. fans. Take them to Columbus. Take them to other places. That's the thing. I mean, I mean the fans... U.S. fans are there. Right. They travel. They'll be there. You don't have to go there and, you know, I'm, Listen, you know, made, where the tackle fans. They made yeah. a mistake. They picked a venue, Red Bull Arena, where that has the largest concentration of Costa Rica fans outside of Costa Rica. And this is a country where you have to be aware of that. And you don't have to go, by the way, um, this was part of the Twitter conversation. You don't have to go to the whitest parts of the country to have a home field advantage. You could have played Costa Rica in Orlando right. or Miami or Dallas or L.A., and you wouldn't have had that problem. Instead, you went to the New York metro area where there's 50,000 Costa Ricans, all of whom are trying to go see their country, and yes, you have a more vocal contingent there. It's about being smart with where you put the games, like you said. There's a reason you play Mexico in Columbus, because there are fewer Mexicans in Columbus than there are in L.A. or Dallas or Houston or any of these other places. And, and you don't go play El Salvador in, the, in D.C. at RFK because they'll put 40,000 people there. It's just, but all of that aside, yeah. you've got to look at the product on the field. And I think we're seeing a problem with this U.S. team where there's a disconnect uh, between the center backs in the last couple games. Um, I think there's a bit of a question about what the identity of this team is, how they want to play, who they want to have on the field. The quality wasn't good enough against Costa Rica. And in a very tough environment against Honduras, it was an ugly game. But they got the result. Uh, but I can promise you, Bruce Arena knows that there are some questions that need to be answered before Panama in Orlando in October and then a, a road trip to Trinidad, which won't be easy. Trinidad's got some good players. Kenwin Jones, Kevin Molino, right, Ken, right. Uh, Joven Jones. They've got some good players. No, I agree with you, Paul. And I think they're two different games. I expected, at least from Costa Rica, you know, the U.S. being at home, that I think you would see a different team mm -hmm. there. And then we didn't. You know, you saw a team that had a lot of problems, especially in the back line. And then we knew going into Honduras, you know, it was going to be a different game, a tactical game. I think it wasn't going to be a pretty game with the conditions and stuff like that. You still felt that the U.S. was going to come away, but there's, there's a lot of issues and a lot of question marks that need to be answered. I agree with you. And then you were minutes away where I was looking and I'm saying, man, you know, I mean, it, it could have been a different conversation that we were having today where you know, U.S. soccer as a whole would have been in trouble right now. Okay, if you guys are coaches right now, who are your center backs for the next game against Panama? My center everybody, backs. Everybody's messed up a little bit. Cameron, Gonzalez, Reem, I mean, they all they all had some mistakes. It's different for me to say from here, you know, because I we, we get to watch guys within the league, but then, you know, how do they fare in training? How do they fare in this international matches? You know, you know, I look at the guys that played here. I like guys. 
Uh, those guys, look, Matt Hedges is a good uh, center back, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, within the league here. Gonzalez is a good center back. I think, yeah, man, it just for something, you know, they're not gelling together. They haven't played. Maybe they're not in the best form, but they got to find a solution for sure. Listen, I think the best center back pairing we've seen out of the U.S. in, in recent games has been Cameron and Brooks. Brooks is going to probably still be out in October. I think Matt Beasler has played the best as a left center back. Jeff Cameron has to play better. Uh, he's early in his season. He, was, he looked a little bit shaky. Um, and I think Bruce Arena has to consider potentially playing that three-man back line that we've seen him play in different scenarios, five-man back line, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they have to figure out the center backs they're going to go with going forward and develop a partnership because that's yeah. so important at that position. Um, and I think that's a huge task for Bruce Arena. Th that's the hard thing. So, you know, you're going into, I mean, final stage right now, and then you really haven't identified, you, you know, your two guys. You're mixing around, and I understand injuries play a part in this. But I agree with Paul. You got to find a pairing. Cameron, for me, was not good. I know he's much better than what he showed the other day, but that's an issue that needs to be addressed. We're in the last minute, but has Ariola shown enough to get a start? Uh, Bobby Wood. I mean, he scored the goal last night. Do you think they both get starts? Look, I think I think that it's all about how you want to play. I think Paul Ariola brings a lot off the bench. That's an important role too. He came on against Honduras and brought the exact kind of energy you want. But if you're playing with wingers or you're playing with wingbacks. He's got to be in consideration. And one thing we talked about, Frank, Josie and Bobby together, maybe yep. not the right chemistry for a forward pair. I agree. We've got a couple weeks to worry about it as the, the uh, U.S. men's national team will play October 6th in Orlando against Panama. Don't forget the Chicago Fire this coming Saturday, 3 o'clock at Toyota Park. Get out out there. Thanks for watching Chicago Fire Weekly, presented by the private bank, the official bank of your Chicago Fire.